Hey everyone, I'm Zach. With me as always is Dante, and this week we have Rory from Dog Hair Podcast. The Dog Hair Podcast? Dog Hair right? Presents. Dog Hair Presents. Let me do that again. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Zach. With me as always is Dante, and this week we have Rory from Dog Hair Presents. And hey, let's get contextual. Music. And there's like theme music, yeah, 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 yeah. And, then, and then and then we all kind of just and the and the music starts up like really dramatic and it's kind of cool and then we all kind of like say, all right, so there was some music and then the the, the energy immediately drops. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty fantastic. <laughs> it was funny, Rory, when we were recording, like each time you did your little this week, dog care presents whatever. Yeah. I, afterwards, I was like music, and it never happened. I was really upset. <laughs> I was really disappointed. Yeah, you get used to hearing that, don't you? Yeah, your music is like. <laughs> Like iconic, almost. It's really awesome. Uh, as she would say that, man, I'm thinking of changing it. Well, oh, I'm going no. to change it. See, yeah. I, I I get that because it's like you know loyalty free. You want to have your own stuff, but at the same time, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really great. As so. good, doesn't it? As as good. I don't know. I really like it. But. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So today we're gonna talk about uh, X Men: God Loves, Man Kills, uh, which is a Marvel graphic novel from 1982. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I was talking to Dante about this. Um, there's no way that we can't talk about politics and religion if we're, yeah. if we're reading this book, which I'm okay with. And I'm I'm kind of I come I kind of hoping that we all take that we all kind of have different stances on this. Mm-hmm. And can kind of because uh, I, I do I do think it'd be interesting if each of us kind of see see this comic in a different way. I have no idea. We might all see it in the same way. Like, yeah, this is what I think of it. And <laughs> yeah. That might be kind of boring, but yeah. um, but no, I, I think if I think it'd be kind of cool if we could all have a rational discussion and not go, oh, you know, we don't talk about politics and religion. It's like with this book, you just kind of can't. Um, yeah. yeah, and yeah. and kind of with with entertainment in general, there are a lot of things that have a political agenda or you know a pl- everything pretty much has a political perspective and so if you're really going to dive into you know what these like you know what these things are talking about like the message of a lot of you know movies and comic books you're going to have to talk about that anyway so i feel like if we kind of establish that we're adults we can have a rational decision about that it's it'd be good for not only this episode but kind of the future going forward so yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so, so i read the Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so I read the intro because Dante mentioned <laughs> me saying you have to read the intro. You have no choice. Um, <laughs> it's and the intro a is, yeah. <laughs> um, so I read the intro, which was written like twenty years later, and that's still, uh, and that was almost twenty years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so it was two thousand three. Two thousand three, and that was almost twenty years ago. About that was fifteen years ago. Um, so it's been thirty five years since this comic's been written, and the sad part is, is that this is more relevant today than, yeah. you know, and it's it's more poignant today than maybe it even was back then. Yeah. yeah. I think even since the first time I've read it, it's become, either I've become more aware since the first time I've read it, or it has become more relevant. Yeah. So, um, for anyone that doesn't know, this was written, this comic book was written by Chris Claremont, who does that uh, intro, um, with art by Brent Anderson. 
Um, and it was the first in a new line of graphic novels called Marvel Graphic Novel. Um, and it was the first, fifth book in that series. So just a little behind the scenes. But yeah, so that, that intro that we're talking about is was written by the author, Chris Claremont, 20 years later. And he even mentions how... Um, and he mentions this later as well in his interview in the back of the book. But um, they were... His goal in writing this was to write something... Uh, let me get the exact quote here real quick. Um, we wanted to write something... We wanted something that would read as good, we hoped, in five years, if not 20, as it did in that day. And that's kind of what I think we're, we're all getting at, is that it's, it, it potentially is more relevant now, 20, 35 years later, than it was back when it was originally written, which was the goal of, of the writers. To be fair, I'm sure it's not more relevant. It's probably as relevant. Yeah. Because, like, it's easy to go look at this now and think about the political situation, but, like, it's always fucked, for lack of a better word. <laughs> that, yeah, Sorry, that's I, that's I didn't ask uh, what your language policy was in this podcast. <laughs> no, it's all good. For it. It, it's a uh, lot of us going, oh, we don't swear, and then the guests will, and we're like, well, that's not good. That's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I apologize. No, yeah, no, no, no you're it's, good, man. it's fine. I think I marked... I marked the po- the it as explicit when I put it up, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> the podcast. Okay. So, yeah, but I'll keep it to a minimum. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, yeah. So just go over. Let's 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 talk, before we get too far into um, the com- the 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 subtext of the comic. Let's just talk about the comic itself and what we all thought of it before we yep. get into the other stuff. Okay. Um, um, does anyone know what the what the plot is? <laughs> I can I can go over it, but yeah, Dante, how about you go over the plot of the comic? Okay, um, in five words or less. <laughs> oh God, hold on, this is a challenge now. Um... <laughs> Mutants bad, God <laughs> Them. Uh, Striker, try, kill all mutants. I did it. I did it, guys. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> yep. I I didn't know that William Stryker began his comic book uh, appearance as a as a reverend. Yeah. 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 This whole time, it is, I it is, well, be interesting for people who haven't read this who are listening that this is more or less the basis for X Men Two, the movie. Yeah. 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 There's just what less Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised as well. I had no idea. Like, I thought Stryker was one of the like the OG characters. He started back with, you know, the originals like Professor X and Magneto. But I had, I had no idea that he was created for this comic specifically and just kind of blew up from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of that define a lot of things about the X Men going forward, which is interesting like it's uh, like things like the the purifiers and stuff like that but yeah also like a lot of a lot of the character development in this is sort of defined a lot of the characters going forward yeah and a lot of um this also came out right in that like right when comics were beginning to boom again so Mm. like there was that decline for a long time where marvel was you know selling the classic you know marvel was selling um file cabinets or whatever um and then uh, this was kind of right near, right at the beginning of the peak where they were selling, you know, millions of copies and everything. So it, it kind of makes sense that it took off the way it did. Like it was kind of like, I think uh, 
Claremont kind of says in his interview that this it came out like right place, right time type of thing yeah. with the right yeah. audience. Yeah, they were letting writers do whatever they wanted. There was more, not whatever they wanted, but there was more freedom in what writers could do. Uh, it was less work for hire, more bring an idea, and there was kind of an equal share in the rewards and penalties if it didn't, if it did or didn't do well. Um, so yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Yeah, there's actually um, a brief side note on the work for hire thing. Um, originally, Neil Adams was going to do the art for this book, um, but he wanted he wanted a a non work for hire contract. Um, but Marvel approached him with a work for hire contract, and uh, so he decided to not go to not do the art um, even though he really wanted to and in the end uh they approached uh brent anderson who is the artist for this book um so i thought that was interesting but uh yeah, yeah that's a real shame because neil adams would have been great on this and probably one of the flaws of this book i think is the art isn't isn't fantastic okay yeah, it's pretty bog, bog standard yeah. um but I mean, I think the writing makes up for that, and even the shocking imagery at times oh, makes up for that. Yeah, there is some of the art that I like, but it's just not it's not entirely consistent. I don't think, especially in characters' faces. Yeah, oh, yeah. that yeah. is very true. Like the I I reread this like an hour ago, but uh, my first time reading it, um, I was I was confused who was who, partially because I had no yeah. idea. I did, I, I did, my exposure to the X Men is the movies, so I didn't know that Kitty Pride was called Ariel. Or mm-hmm. that Ileana was a character, or yeah. that Storm's name was Aurora, or whatever. So, like, I kind of had to figure that out as I went. Um, so it's partially my fault, but also it was kind of hard to keep, to just to keep track of characters because of that. Um, but there are two distinct places where I do really like the art that they chose, and that was in Striker's flashback and yeah. when. Um, in in Xavier's mind when he's being tormented, those two yeah. places I think the art is really really good. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think just, yeah, like I said, it's just a lot of the faces a lot of the time. Like Katie Pride's face seems to change panel to panel like drastically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh yeah, the doctor and the psychiatrist guy and Striker look almost identical. Yeah, and Magneto. I thought Magneto looked really yeah. similar to Striker as well. Yeah, they're all I think like, they all just have the same hair. Yeah, they're like all old white men with white hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's 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 um let's quickly go over the story. Um, <laughs> and, in more and, than five uh, words. In more than five words this time. We'll say. <laughs> now it's your uh, turn. I already did mine. So. All right, uh, the basic <laughs> premise of the story is that there is a TV reverend in the same vein of like a, a Billy Graham or anything like that who has decided that mutants are the spawn of Satan, they're evil, they need to be destroyed, and uh, as a result, he ends up capturing, um, he ends up capturing, what was it, uh, Xavier, um, Storm, and Cyclops. Uh, Cyclops. And uh, so the X-Men have to rescue them, and they're dealing with issues of, you know, religion, and, you know, what does religion go to, when does religion go too far, and um, and also, uh, my you know, using religion to attack minorities, using any sort of popular anything to attack minorities and that sort of thing, and, um, and yeah, uh, I don't want to give away the whole comic, I'm trying to think of, I can be, should I, should I say more, or should I be, or should I just kind of stop there? I think that's good for, uh... 
if we don't want to give away any spoilers. I think at some point when we when we dive in, we should say here's a spoiler line, basically. Um, But yeah, that's I think that's a pretty good synopsis. So, do you guys want to talk about it? Just kind of. I mean, we kind of already talked about it vaguely, but let's briefly go over whether or not you liked it. um, And I guess would you recommend it to someone? Um, Just as a quick thing, and then we can kind of dive right in. Um, well, I, I guess I'll, I can start. Um, I really like this book. I think, and I think I probably, we, we all kind of liked it, but I think it's, it's really, um, like Rory mentioned, it is pretty defining for a lot of the X-Men characters. And like, even as I was reading it, I was like, well, this is really similar to, you know, X2 and, um, a lot of the modern interpretations of the X-Men, um, so I think it's it's a good book for a really solid X-Men story and kind of a lot of their history. Yeah. I, I absolutely love this book, as I'm sure it will be clear through the course of this episode. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like very much like this is, I would recommend it to a lot of people getting into X-Men or trying to understand X-Men, where it, what it's about, really, because this... Like a lot of the early X Men stuff, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and stuff, like it's about the same kind of stuff, but it's all subtext, and this just really brings it to the forefront and goes, "This is what this is about," and just slaps you in the face with it, pretty much, just saying, "This is what we're trying to get across here." Yeah, and a lot of the time that doesn't work, but in this, I feel like it really hammers home the point in a really good way, and. Like and it has some of the iconic X Men characters, some of my favorite characters that we'll talk about later. I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great a great way to show people what X Men is. This book. Yeah, um, in the same vein, I would probably uh, I, I I love the book too, and I found the book kind of um, uh, challenging in some ways, and I'll, I'll we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would weirdly enough, I would recommend this as a as a um, almost like how about this? I would rec- recommend this less as a comic book and more. Um, I have I have a, a ton of uh, Christian friends, so I would love to have them read this and and mm-hmm. hear their perspective and see what they think about this. Um, so uh, and I spe- certain certain people because I think we'll talk about that as well. But um, yeah, kind of I, I would, almost like a conversation starter. Yeah, um, because it is interesting to see, um, you know, it 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 has. Um, um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, out out Dante as well. Um, <laughs> me and Dante are both Christians as well, so mm-hmm. it is kind of interesting to see it from this perspective and go. Uh, not not that either of us are, um, you know, uh, reverends that are demanding the death. Really <laughs> I mean, I was in a previous life. That was a whole thing. Um, but no. Uh, you were the inspiration for Striker. I was, I was the inspiration for Striker. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's, it's a cool thing to look at. And if you can't sit there and go, oh, you know, it, it, you, don't, you don't ever feel attacked on this side of it. And you go, yeah, this is a legitimate problem. And you can look at the history of the last 40 years and go, yeah, this is a serious problem that needs to be addressed. And what do we need to do in order to change? Uh, and I think the intro really helps with that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. Uh, a little later, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. And I think it is it is a really interesting kind of... Um, I want to say analyzation, but I don't think that's a word. But like, 
Co- uh, analogy analysis. of analysis. Analysis. That's the word. Thank you. Of, <laughs> I mean, of our our current and you know also back then situation. You know the social situation of just you know prejudice and and how that can affect people and and how it can be used and just yeah i think it's it's i i think i would i'm kind of on the same in the same vein as, as zach like on, on one hand i would recommend it as like if you want to know what x-men's all about read this but at the same time i'd be like if you if you want a really good discussion about you know the you know political situation or whatever in in our world also read this you know what i mean yeah um yeah so do you you guys want to jump right in then i think we've kind of said our piece mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um all right so yeah spoiler warning for anyone that hasn't read it um go read it it's it's really good um what do you guys think <laughs> let's jump in do are we talking are we talking specifics right now yeah, so let's just, I mean, I mean, we'll kind of just go with the floor so, of the conversation, but I, I just, sure. essentially, we're open to spoilers now, so. <laughs> okay, uh, right. so in the mo- in the very beginning when um, they're like, Storm and Xavier and uh, and Cyclops are all dead, I thought it was like an Elseworlds sto- story, and I was like, oh, they're all dead, they're, they're all dead right now, <laughs> so I was like, wow, this got intense real quick, I thought it was going to be like Days of Future Past or something. And I got really excited, and then it was like, oh no, they're, they're, it was faked. And oh, I got sad. <laughs> there are a lot of fake deaths in this in this book. Like, like not just those, but like um, at, at one point, you think Kitty Pride's dead, and um, yeah. there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess we can we can start with the intro. Um, this book has a really strong intro in. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. So essentially, um, two kid, two mutant kids are running away from some enemy that you don't see for a little while, um, and they're just kind of running for their lives. And then they get caught by the purifiers and uh, shot and killed. And then they get hung up on this swing set and with a sign that says "Muty," and it's meant to be like a warning to the other preschool kids as they come out to school the next day. Um, it's intense. Like, yeah, it's so intense. I had forgotten about that. Really, like, not forgotten, but forgot that it was right at the start. Like, I, I, when I when I read it, because obviously I knew that happened, but just how early in the book that is, it just sets the tone completely for what you're about to read, and just yeah, yeah. It's so brutal. Yeah. It, it, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. No, I was, just, I was just, yeah, it is, it is really brilliant. I was going to pass it over to you anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it it's very reminiscent of like uh, this. It's it's so shocking because you don't expect to see that kind of thing, especially with children. You yeah. don't expect to see that kind of thing in a comic book. And well, I mean, you you might nowadays, but when you're reading a comic book from the '80s, you, you're, that's not what you're. That's not what you think you're going to see when you go into it. So, right off the bat, you're on the you're on the back foot the whole time because you're just reeling from that. And when Magneto shows up and pulls the kids down, the, from that point on, I was like, "Yeah, I'm on his side." So yeah, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> it really does a good job of just automatically, like right there, humanizing um, Magneto, and you just yeah. all like right then you're like, "Okay, I get his point of view," and then yeah. like, and that carries over to the rest of the X Men comics, not even just this book, because even this book really doesn't. 
push Magneto's agenda very much. Like it, it's it, they talk about it a little bit, but it's not he's not the forefront, and I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. But this is almost like <clears throat> now I could go read a different X Men comic and be like, all right, I get where you're coming from, Magneto. Yeah, and that's always been the kind of great thing about Magneto. Like, oh, which you know, be the history of the character, but when they were created, uh, Professor X and um. Magneto, the idea was that the like Professor X was an analogy for Martin Luther King and Magneto was Malcolm X, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of uh like two sides of the same kind of argument, two different ideas about the same thing. Uh both like with reasonable thought behind them as well, which is why Magneto is such an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you have that character who you uh who you actually agree with and they and at least you can at the very well at the very least see their point of view. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean and then also knowing he's a Holocaust survivor knowing that he's seen what happens when people decide that there's someone less human than them. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a lot of times it's hard not to to not root for the guy. At points, I find myself going that... I think even even at the end of this comic book, Charles Xavier's like, I would join you, but I can't because I'm actually supposed to be teaching these people. And it, it's literally only... It's, he's not even saying, I think I'm right. He's saying, I can't leave these people. I, I led them this far. I have to keep going. Yeah, yeah. That, and, that is a great moment. And we'll get to it later. But that, that whole moment where, for once, Xavier is unsure was incredible yeah um, as as really kind of powerful to think like how these guys have been up against each other for well at this point 20 years uh, in comics and then like yeah seeing him waver like that is really interesting yeah and even like um going back to the fact that magneto's been through a holocaust there's this great line when they're on i think they describe it as a metal um a metal magic carpet (laughs) um (laughs) but uh there's this great line where i think it's like can i just say really quick um how amazing i find comics that in the first scene we in in the first scene we have this horrible murder and uh, of the of children and then somewhere down the line the words metal magic carpet are used and like that's the dichotomy <laughs> yeah. of uh, comic books yes you can yeah. have this that in the same issue it's, it's not- this is also very much the era of i uh of, of yeah. declaring your powers which i absolutely love i miss yeah. that honestly like i'm glad that- it's not in modern comics but it's it's quite enjoyable <laughs> That is as good as Chris Claremont's X-Men is and all his work. That is a sort of trope throughout his work especially, is everyone explains their powers every time they use them. <laughs> like, Kitty Pride's in this, in this book especially. Like, she talks about it in her thought bubbles, like, constantly. Yeah. She's, she's, like, constantly, I like, I will claws. phase through this ob- she I think she says she will phase through an object and disrupt, like, electronics, like, at least three yeah. or four times. Yep. <laughs> And then she also says she's too tired to phase about ten times as well, explaining yes. why she can't do it at a given moment. <laughs> and... uh, but um, anyway, back to the magic metal carpet. Um, <laughs> the there's this great line where Cyclops is kind of accusing Magneto of uh, essentially saying that Magneto's goal is to create a dictatorship, um, and Magneto's like, "Don't I forget exactly what he says," but he's like don't don't use that tone with me boy i've been i've been under 
a dictatorship. Like, and yeah. he's he's just basically like, I know what it's like. Don't don't like use don't use it um, openly. Yeah, and like that was that was amazing. Like that just that line of like I've lived through crap, man. Don't don't try to don't don't assume that you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and there's a there's a there's a scene uh, too, and it's it's when they're um, when they're interrogating a purifier um, with Logan, and Logan's popping out one claw at a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a great line because Magneto's in that scene as well. Um, there is a great line by I think Nightcrawler who says, uh, "But if we use our foes' methods, my friend, how then are we better than they?" Yeah, and that whole panel I love because yeah. the whole dialogue in that panel, the lines before that are like Colossus saying, "Was that necessary?" Wolverine says, "Yup." Yeah, which is yeah. just like incredibly powerful in that three-letter word. Like how he feels about it is just summed up completely. And then, yeah, Nightcrawler has that amazing line, like, to follow up. Uh, well, and, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and that's a good question, too, because if you just... <clears throat> because you see it throughout history, too, is um, the the people who attempt to have that moral high ground and say, we're not... It's like, oh, we're not gonna... We're not gonna use the same tactics as our enemies. Those are the people who tend to die. It's the ones yeah. that... So, so it's yeah. an interesting dichotomy where it's like, it, you... If you can have a better ideology, but if you're using the same methods, are you any better than your enemy? But if you don't use those methods, you could very well kind of fall apart. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like um, candidates in a in a um, in a campaign. <clears throat> the nice guy never wins. The one who doesn't use mudslinging campaigns, the one who just uh, is, does everything uh, completely above board, he's never the guy who wins. He's always the guy who uses the best mudslinging campaigns, the one who just rips yeah. apart your opponent. <laughs> like, those are the people that get voted into office. And so, I don't I don't know, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting idea that's put forward. Yeah, yeah. And also, I really <clears throat> like that they, they take the time to put those little subtleties in there. Because the first time I read through this, I kind of went, I, I kind of breezed through it a little bit. Um, and the second time I slowed down a, a more to kind of focus on things. But um, first time through, I was like, they really didn't do much with certain characters. Like um, specifically, I was thinking Wolverine. Like I, I mean, given the fact that my only experience is the movies, I always think, Oh, Wolverine's like the front runner every time. Um, and I like that he's not in this book, but the, going back through i've noticed more scenes where they do show his character and the, and like you know just like that scene you were talking about um and I, I like that they take the time to show each character and show them that they are developed characters and no one's really one-dimensional and i think that's yeah. that's something great about x-men in general but something that this book does really well too but it took a second reading for me to kind of notice it more Wolverine as well, it's hard to think now that the huge character he was, he is now, but he'd only been about seven years at a time. Yeah. So he wasn't, like, the main, one of the main X-Men, really, like where he was at this point, but he wasn't considered. Like, he was popular when he came out, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't the character people thought of when they thought of X-Men. That kind of wasn't until much later, the films, essentially. Yeah. Who Who would have been the character? Well, I don't know. That's a good Probably question. Xavier. Hey, well, I mean, yeah, kind of Xavier. A, a Cyclops is. I was going to say Cyclops, Cyclops is, yeah. is the only one of the originals in this book. So. Yeah, 
And I mean, on top of that, it's um, sorry. Um, on top of that, it is more of a team dynamic. It, it is interesting to realize that yeah, Wolverine is more of like a, he's he has the same level of popularity as like a, as like a Colossus, and it's like that's not that's something yeah. that is it's kind of weird to think nowadays. Yeah, yeah, he's grown a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, all, going over to Nightcrawler, he has some really awesome scenes in this as well. Like the the scene where he's uh, he's got that guy. He's got his tail around that guy's neck, the doctor. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. like choking him out. That that's a really good, a really good Nightcrawler scene. I'm actually a bit disappointed with the use of Nightcrawler in this book because the one thing that kind of disappoints me a little bit, just knowing that the character from his beginning, from the first time he appeared, he has been a devout Christian, and I don't think it's even mentioned at any point in this book, and it would have been a really interesting thing to explore. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um. I was kind of intrigued by that too, but um, Claremont does mention that in, I think it's his prologue, in that um, there are a lot of characters coming from different backgrounds in that, uh, you know, Kurt Wagner is a, I think he's a Catholic, um, and Kitty Pride is a Jew. Um, yep. I think he mentions one other, I forget who. Um but he mentions how there are these characters coming from these various backgrounds that are affected by, you know, Reverend Stryker. Um, and he says it was a really interesting kind of, you know, working with those characters uh, with that with that background in mind. Um, and I, I, I kind of see what you're saying about, like, I, I would have liked if, if, if Nightcrawler had, like, a line or two about that as well. Um... But at the same time, having read the prologue and reading back through it, I almost, I, I, I almost felt like I understood more where the characters were coming from and their reactions. Um, yep. But but that does kind of require you to have read the prologue and be like, oh, he had this in mind. So it's kind of you know, almost a two-edged sword. But yeah, mm-hmm. can we talk about the moment? This is now this moving a little farther ahead. This is this is a, a huge moment for me. The moment where the police officer shoots Stryker? Yes. Yeah. And it's just, as far as I can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I missed anything, but as far as I can tell, um, that, that officer is just, uh, he's just a normal, he's just a normal officer, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's not in the book before he, that or anything. Okay. I think he's the one that says he'd rather be at the Rangers game. Earlier on, he's got a mustache. <laughs> he he has he he does have a, a nice mustache. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he looks so almost like mustache. So. Yeah, yeah. A younger Gordon. Yeah, he is there. Um, he's he he talks to the crowd a few times. Like um, when the X Men walk onto the stage, uh, some of the crowd people are like, "They're crazy," and he's and this cop is like, "Maybe, but they got guts or something like that." Yeah, no, I see him. Yeah, yeah I see it. Yeah. Now. I, I kind of wish that when uh, Stryker goes uh, human, you dare call that thing human. I kind of wish he pointed to like Colossus or like Wolverine, like these like really normal looking guys. <laughs> He's like, you know, yeah, but I... they're not they're not exactly normal looking. Like Wolverine's a five foot three guy, and like 
Well, <laughs> like are we discriminating against short people? No, <laughs> and about five foot <laughs> wide, and just like and Colossus is like they're not average looking men as well. Zach, are you saying you consider five foot three tall people not human <laughs> or human? Um, one really yes. cool thing about sorry. <laughs> um, one really cool thing about that panel, like obviously that um is like it's it's one of the more iconic panels like they put it in the in the epilogue like multiple times um sorry not the epilogue but the the interviews afterwards um some man say cover of my copy as well yeah yeah same um but one really interesting thing uh is i read the interview with the artist brent anderson um and he said that he was kind of embarrassed by that panel because he forgot to put uh, Nightcrawler's tail in the picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you look, his tail's not, not there. there. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it could be explained that it's just behind him, and that's fine. Yeah, it could be behind him. Yeah. But it, the power of that panel was so, you know, just just impactful that it passed through so many people not noticing that his tail wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. But personally, I think that makes it work even more because he almost looks. I don't know. He looks closer to human, but not quite like that. Just like, you know, just sort of off feeling more without the tail. Cause with the tail, you're like, Oh, I just, he, you know, I don't know. It almost like pushes it over the line. But in that he's like, I don't know. For me, it's almost like he's so like, it's so close to being human, but there's just, you know, a few things off. And that's why it's such a powerful panel, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Man. He's still, he's still got, I, I like that. <clears throat> he's, st he's still got three toes in blue. Well, fog. yeah. Like, he doesn't. I have at least three toes. Like <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, but I don't know. I just feel. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like that. Like, uh, it's, it's more of a saying. human shape. Yeah. yeah I don't I've know. never really thought about it. The, the thing that makes me laugh, too. Is that he's gonna shoot Kitty? Um, which <laughs> is more because of a pride thing. It's not. It's got nothing to do with the fact that because out of all of them, she's the most human esque. I think. Um, yeah. And out of all of them, she she is. Oh, he's talking about them not being human, and yet he's like, if uh, human said uh, Kitty says more human than you. So he goes ahead and just tries to shoot her. I think it's like it kind of shows more about his character in that moment that for all his bluster about, um, you know, oh, I'm doing this because of God and I'm doing this because these people aren't human. They're from the devil. It's like, no, you're doing it because of pride. You're, you're... Yeah. So. so it's so funny he was going to shoot the one person that could have dealt with it fine. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> one out of like the three people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Four. I don't know. I mean, realistically, the only the only two people that would actually get shot would be Cyclops and Storm. But I mean, yeah, Kitty's kind of like the most able to yeah. deal with it. Yeah, I mean, Wolverine I guess quite probably... any of the reactions. Yeah, Wolverine would be fine. He would get shot, but be fine. Yeah, and then obviously, like Colossus would just bounce off. Um, Nightcrawler could probably teleport away, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's I also guess... fun. It's also amusing because she's been doing that like five times throughout this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, she has been shot at already. Yeah. 
Um, so can yes, we... the cup doesn't know that, and that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, I also like that the other cop. I'm, I'm guessing the probably the captain or the the commissioner um, is the one that's like they're free to go because they've done nothing that you know they've done nothing against the law. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's two separate cops, and I really like that as well. Just showing that for some reason the cops. Or maybe not for some reason, but the cops kind of have a better idea of, you know, a better grasp of the situation than the common people do. They're just like, yeah. they didn't do anything wrong. And they have the same Actually, rights as you. Yeah. I love that. Like, so much in media you see, like, cops being, like, vilified. And this is just yeah. really showing that these are good guys. Like, and And earlier you see they're just doing their job. And then they have to deal with this situation and they deal with it well and respectfully it's incredible yeah yeah i it's 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 really really good and and yeah i mean yeah, yeah that one panel with the uh the 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 cop after he shoots the guy there's just that one there's just this one panel where you just see his face there's no text yeah. there's nothing said he doesn't say anything after this and I don't know why, but I'm just so... Like, the look on his face, the everything else, I'm just so drawn to this one image. Because there's nothing said. Like, it, up to the up to the second-to-last panel, there's nothing said on this whole page. And it's so powerful. Yeah. I, like, really, in the ending here, there is a lot of powerful usage of panels with no dialogue. And we, we make fun of, like, you know, characters saying, I'm gonna do this thing, when they really don't need to. But there are... You, like moments like specifically near in in this kind of page or two where the 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 writer and the artist understand that, that there is power in just letting this situation play out like from from when striker pulls his gun on kitty till the cop shoots him and you see his face there is no dialogue and i think that that just adds to the power of the scene yeah in the first couple panels there as well, it was the gun, and then the next panel right across from that, all the X-Men standing together. Yeah, you don't yeah. Even, you don't even see who's aiming at, you don't actually know who he was taking a shot at until someone says, I think one of the cops, he was going to shoot the girl. Yeah, I like that too. Like, you just, you literally have the imagery of the gun pointing at the X-Men. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's showing... It's it's just literally <clears throat> showing the opposite sides of this. You have you have Striker pointing the gun on one hand, and you just have the people, the mutants, on the other side, who aren't moving. They aren't using their powers to stop them or anything. They're just standing there together, united. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's. But I think they're they're kind of. Yeah, I mean, even the police officer says, as far as I'm concerned, they're free. I'm oh, sorry. What what does he say? He says. Yeah, uh, yeah. What about them? They've done as much or as little as you clowns. Um, yeah. And and I kind of like the idea too that they're kind of they're kind of stuck. They can't do anything, even when he pulls a gun because they have to prove they have to prove people wrong. He just has to prove people, he has to prove everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. 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 He's playing what everyone already thinks. They have to prove everyone wrong, which means they can't do anything. So when the officer shoots him, that's that's. I, I just love I love this whole page here. Yeah, and I think that's that's also um like you like even just like you're saying, like they can't do anything like even just not even just like the 
the social situation of proving their point, but also legally, like if they tried something that it would like they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily be in the right. But by doing nothing, strikers just attacking an innocent person. And that's even just based just purely on the law. That's also like a reason that they can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's just that image of them standing together that so they are all willing to get shot, like for their point to prove to prove him wrong. Like they were all just stand there, uh, faced with a gun. They believe in themselves that much. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, can we talk about the fact that there's like little to no blood in his hands? Yeah, like, this was a comic today. His hand would be drenched; it'd be completely red. And now it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's, it looks like he nicked his fingers a little bit. That's that's, <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, well, that was in it. In these days, he still couldn't really show that, which is <laughs> mad considering how this book starts. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like oh, you 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 can't show any blood. Uh, oh, you want to hang children on a, a swing? You want to murder and hang children on a swing set? Go for it. Yeah. You do you. No blood. <laughs> yeah. You want to crucify Charles Xavier? No problem. No blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we also talk about, real quick, when he shoves, a little bit earlier, when he shoves, um, what is her name? Anne off of the stage? Yeah. When, when he finds out that she's a mutant? Like, and I, I, I mean, I guess this will probably play because I want to go back to his origin as well because I think that's really powerful as well. But that just kind of shows the level of commitment he's at. Like this person that is the head of the purifiers, his his his, you know, personal uh, group of you know trained assassins that go around and kill these mutants for him. The person that is, we're assuming kind of has worked for him for a while. Um, he just when he finds out that she's a mutant, just shoves her right off and kills her. And and I also love the the fact that they go out of their way to show you that everything was caught on TV. I think that's yeah. just overall that's really a powerful image. Yeah, and that's kind of the start of his sort of decline, I guess, is when that happens. Yeah, in the public eye too, and that's kind of another interesting thing. With you know, you have these little. Within the panel, you have the little panels of the TV moving, following her her fall. Just yeah. like literally, as she's falling, it's it's Striker's decline in the public eye. Yeah. yeah. Um, can we talk about this panel? I think it's on. I think it's on page uh, sixty-eight. Um, the the panel. It's it's in the same. It's in the same panel where. Um, Xavier almost takes uh, Charles. I'm sorry. Xavier almost takes uh, Magneto's hand, and doesn't. Um, yep. Could you guys explain to me uh, Wolverine's line? I still don't understand what's happening here. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't, know. I don't know what it means. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, Magneto says, it. "You are all fools." And Wolverine's line in response is, "Maybe, but uh, but by the same token, chum." The world's got no shortage of a windmill, what windmills to tilt to at. Tilt at. Yeah, tilting at windmills is a phrase. It means like fighting imaginary enemies. Essentially, it's like oh, uh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, like you're just tilting at windmills means you're just like swinging punches at nothing, basically. Um, oh, okay. But it doesn't really make sense still even <laughs> like in the he context has real, he has real like people to, like, that <laughs> yeah. are yeah. against him like the strikers of the world yeah yeah 
I guess I guess maybe he's just using the phrase wrong. What they meant to say was like there's no shortage of people to fight. Even then, it's still not. It's not a great line. Still, yeah, it doesn't make sense <laughs> in response. Maybe it's just Wolverine. Just like they wanted to have Wolverine say something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's a cool image. He's lighting a cigar as, as Magneto walks out. But yeah, the line yeah. doesn't doesn't do it justice. <laughs> also, something to to note: um, Striker's still alive by the end of this as well. The shot didn't kill him. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Like, and I think um, Xavier mentions it as well. Nobody. Nobody dies in this comic except Anne and the and the kids. Um, yeah, well, and the flashback as well. You get him. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Striker's family. But. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Just a brief note. Um, speaking of his backstory, why don't we talk about that? Because um, I think that is one of the really strong points of this comic. Yeah. So essentially, um, Stryker kind of, I guess, is it a thought bubble or is he telling his story? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he mentions that he used to be a military man um, and he was heading home with his, his wife, uh, his pregnant wife. And they got in a car crash and his wife delivered their child. And there's just this panel of his face in horror and he's it just says he it was a monster and from there striker proceeds to kill his infant son and then when his wife like his weak um half unconscious wife asks for the baby he just takes her close and snaps her neck and then he drags the bodies back over to the car that was leaking gas Climbs inside with them and then blows up the car. <laughs> and he's only saved by, I guess, probably what he interprets as divine providence. Um, but, but yeah, and he survives and finds his calling, quote unquote, of, you know, taking down the mutants. But that's intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, we're talking about Magneto and, like, how he's, like, got understandable motives i don't understand any of this as i felt like i imagine it's something that maybe somebody could do but i cannot get my head around ever thinking this thought process that he goes through yeah i mean it's it's really drastic and uh, the panel the, the the comic notably never shows his son probably so that like the audience just thinks that it's you know the the most abominable thing ever yeah. but i don't know i mean yeah <laughs> okay okay so to be completely honest i saw this as oh it's a tragic backstory and i sort of just left it alone i i i saw it as and i i i skipped this uh i should not have skipped this no, I don't understand have. this character anymore. yeah no i this was like the one panel that i skipped because i went oh tragic backstory but i've heard his backstory before so I thought I knew it, so I was like, alright, skip, and went to the next thing. <laughs> this makes no sense. This makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, essentially he has a demon of a child and then he kills the demon and his wife. And essentially he was trying to commit suicide, but isn't uh, isn't given that. And then 
determines that that's divine providence. I, I, okay. Look, he's not a good villain. Let's let's just. <laughs> I think he's just he's clearly crazy about all that, all yeah. like all of this is just like not something a sane person would do. But see, I, I something a person could do, but not a sane person. See, I I like this backstory. I think it's it's really good. Like, and and then this is kind of the trope of Stryker's character in general is that he he has a uh, a mutant son that he um, abhors, and that's kind of the motivation behind his trying to kill all the mutants. Um, I don't know, man. I like. I, obviously, like Roy's saying, no sane person can do this, but I don't know. I, I like it as a backstory for him. And I think it it really, it, it, whether you like it or not, it, it shows where he's coming from quite clearly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, it, it definitely does, but it's a place of insanity <laughs> is where he's coming from. Like, yeah. And that that's clear from the start, really, I think. Yeah, that is powerful. But yeah, geez. and I mean, yeah, and and I think, I think his insanity was established when he's ordering people to kill children. Like, even if yeah. it's not his kid, like that's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's the, the people following him. I understand less, to be honest, because I can't. I don't know what's her name. Anne was it? Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no explanation for her really. She's just happily murdering anyone. <laughs> so, uh, dude, cults are cults are weird. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it's easy to convince. You tell if because you don't present cults don't present themselves uh, as a cult until too late a lot of times. So mm. he starts off and it's like a lot of these people have nothing else. They convince them, oh, you know, this is, oh, you know, this is the will of God, and this is this, and this is that, and they're like, okay, and they, they fall into it, like, this is all this is all their life is. Yeah. So, it, it's why you see, like, you know, uh, Scientology and a couple other of these things, uh, the, I, I don't remember the the guy's name, but the one who had the mass uh, suicide, killed a bunch of people with the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. It's how you convince people to do these things, because you've, you've so brainwashed them into thinking a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's scary. It's scary because it's true. It's and it's and I, you know, I I've seen it to lesser extents as well, which is right. very upsetting. So, yeah, we could also we could also um, fan theory here. Maybe uh, Striker's son's mutant ability was to make you kill your loved ones immediately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is suddenly it's on that man. I'm I'm now super into the story. Headcanon. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing at that is because it's not out with the realms of X-Men. <laughs> like, my, ex- my X-Men ability is that you immediately have the compulsion to kill your loved ones if you're like within five feet of me. <laughs> yeah. um, I, this is, okay. A better explanation than what the book gives. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> We said we were going to talk about the proper issues of this book, and there's a controversial word used in this book, and I think we should talk about how we feel about that. Yeah. Well, I was also, I I was kind of thinking about relating, because you were saying, you know, cults are weird, and I mean, 
Well, just like um, the the prejudice that uh, Af- African Americans have, specifically in America. Um, yep. That. Well, I mean that. I mean they're not they're not considered African Americans outside of America. Well, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I feel like every other word for them, specifically, like I'm, I'm just thinking in America because I don't know <laughs> everywhere else. But like every every other every other word that they every, people try to use is like you can't use that word. That's racist. And that, that's was, the problem is is that it changes yeah. every week. So sometimes you can use a word and sometimes you can't. And it yeah, like out. I didn't. I didn't want to say black because that's like super offensive to some people, and then you know. African American is offensive to others. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> we gotta okay for the for the purpose of this podcast, we've gotta settle on on one. Um, so let's just say uh, I don't even know. Uh, black no, is no, generally no. accepted. Is it? Well, okay. It's, yes. Yeah. yeah. As far just, as I'm aware. Okay. Right. So black let's just is... settle. Let's just settle on that for this for the purposes of this podcast. But um, the the prejudice that that. What, that white people had against blacks um, i mean even still now it's a problem like that back you know when 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 slavery was a big thing and you know people were were um i forget the word for it but they were they were killing black people because just they were black that's yeah. the same thing here that is the exact same thing here where yeah striker is just killing mutants because they are mutants like and now like it doesn't make sense but it's happened a lot. Like um, the prejudice against other people has happened a lot throughout history. And then even in like in, in pop culture and everything, um, even in like films, like I- I'm thinking of like whenever aliens visit, they're always like immediately like, Oh, a- aliens are evil. And a lot of times they are, but like, you know what I mean? Like that, that prejudice of it's something we don't understand or know. So it's evil. And we need to kill it because it exists is something that a lot of people have been consist con- convinced of a lot throughout the years. It's like it's like a a human trope almost. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like I don't know. It's 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 interesting. Um, well, yeah. it's like that's again where the X Men originally the idea was. This is a story about racism when Stanley and Jack Kirby created it in the sixties because that was a huge problem in the 60s and that's where they sort of came from with this story and they made the story and it was all it was all these white teenagers but they had this <laughs> other thing that was setting them apart and people hated them for it you know so that's yeah and what i was getting at with this the word that is used the n-word here is yeah. like and what i said earlier is that it slaps you in the face and that word like stands out to me a mile like you see that and it like can't not trigger like an emotional response, and that's why it's there. It's getting that point across that this should this book should trigger an emotional response. Yeah, and I, even um, in the interview with with Chris Claremont, he mentions that like that is why it's there, and it caused yeah. a stir when it came out. Is it's there to get your emotional response in in the story and in the book for the audience. Like, cause in the story, Kitty Pride uses it at, um, I forget the character. Uh, Stevie Hunter. Okay. Stevie Hunter. Um, I haven't seen her in anything before this. So, um, apologies, but, uh, to essentially like, 
some kid is is getting is like some some human kid is saying you know mutants are evil or whatever at kitty pride and kitty pride's you know getting riled up because she is a mutant she's being essentially discriminated against um and then she's trying to get stevie to understand and so she uses that word because stevie is black and uh stevie there's a let me find the panel but like there's a panel where stevie just kind of stands there and and um colossus says you know don't take it personally she didn't mean it and um yeah, i've got it here if you, if you want the exact quote yeah yeah go ahead stevie's sort of like wiping tears from her eyes and she says of course she did well it's a thought bubble she say uh, as they walk away uh, she thinks of course she did my friend she meant every word and then a couple of she clenches her fist in the next panel when the thought bubble says and she was right yeah and that that panel was so powerful to me is just like that is the same level that we're addressing here you know like in the in this comic book they're addressing the the discrimination against mutants and the the desire of of striker and his people to just kill mutants because they exist and that is the exact same as you know the prejudice that black people have had to deal with and so i feel like it was just used so perfectly in this situation to get that emotional response from you and to kind of like a wake-up call as an audience member of like oh okay this is that kind of book but also this is that message yeah stevie hunter is well. she is like she's not used that often these days she was in recent x-men comics at kitty pride's wedding uh but not much recently yeah. um she's not a mutant, she's, right no she's human but she's kind of like a not mother figure, I guess, but like older sister figure to Kitty Pride, like and always kind of has been. She's okay. her dance teacher, but she's like always been there in her life and like helped her out and stuff like that. So it's quite like knowing a bit of their relationship as well kind of helps with how that interaction goes as well. Like, yeah, yeah, but I, I just yeah, I agree with you that it's it's used really powerfully. I think. Yeah. What are you thinking, Zach? You haven't talked in a while. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, dude, I, I, I've been, I have been reading and rereading the Striker, uh, <laughs> the origin scene. I'm sorry. I just that that just it still boggles my mind. This is nuts. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, I mean it. It really is, and like. I mean, the fact that you're just rereading it kind of attests to the comic, but like, yeah, um, it's powerful. And I think part of the point is to know, I think part of the point of that, that jump is to be like, nobody could be like him. You know what I mean? Like he is the ultimate, just bad dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. yeah it, that that, that kind of weakens it for me though. Okay. In See, I, I, I liked it. I kind of, I kind of like the idea that the the scary. I think it's scarier and it's more po- uh, poignant if you realize that this is someone um, who anyone could be. It's kind of like the Joker's whole thing about one bad day, and it's like it, this is someone that anyone could be if they take, if they take something and they just take it too far. Because there's no no one is yeah. born evil. Everything yeah, but... is just something good that's been taken too far. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like that taking it too far just is his backstory. 
Yeah, well, that, yeah, you can see that as the moment he did because he seems to have been fairly normal before that. And then when he saw his son, like that triggered something in him that made him snap at that moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's just kind of, I guess the two reactions you can get from that is, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from, Zach, but I just, personally, I think it just, it almost shows his level of commitment. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like there should have been more than just, he was a normal every guy, everyday soldier. He had a happy wife. And it's like, my baby was a monster. He, he looked, I don't know. I, I, in my mind, it's just like he looks like Nightcrawler every time he comes out. Yeah. Um, well, but so I mean, just like, like, just just think about. I mean, you have nine months, and not, at least nine months to anticipate the perfect baby, and just. I mean, I would never, even if you know Nightcrawler was my child, I would never like kill him right outright. But I don't know, man. I mean. Just to think about, you know, the build-up to having a child and to be, to have something so opposite. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, it's not justified, but like, you know, you, I can kind of sort of understand a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also none of us have children, so none of us can, can really say from experience, but you, you know. I'm assuming. I don't know if you have kids, Rory. Um, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> um, I have seven, so there you go. Oh, dang it. Dude, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Anyway, um, but I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, I, again, obviously no one's going to get to that level. Like something is wrong with him mentally, and maybe it's the fact that he's been through war or whatever. But I don't know. I feel like at, 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 maybe it's a little more relatable than we're giving him credit for. But but know. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the other scene that I really liked is I want to talk about um. Uh, Xavier's mental torture. Um, what yeah. do you guys think of that? Uh, uh, what was going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like. They kind of do explain what was going on a little bit. Not well. Well, <laughs> it's like one line, but it's, it's really interesting and it looks really good. As like you said, the art is great here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, if if you're going to sit there and be... If it's if it's supposed to be Christians that are doing this, why would you crucify him? I don't I understand just, that. That seems kind of backwards. <laughs> that seems like the last thing you do to him. <laughs> I don't think it's them doing that. It's his own mind. I think it's, it's, okay. everything that happens is in his own mind. I think. Yeah, I think and yeah, half explained that. Hang on. Let yeah, just... they they explain it as um, they've mentally linked him up to uh, the, the. It says they're psionically link him, link uh, Cyclops and um, Storm with Xavier, and so they essentially torture. Um, Cyclops and, and and Storm and Xavier feels that, and then the rest of it is his own fears about the X Men. Um, uh -huh. I think it says he's aware. Uh, um, 
either Stryker or the doctor says he's aware that the pain comes from them and in his confused state believes they're doing it deliberately and his own subconscious fears and guilt provide the rationale for their betrayal. And so that's that's kind of how it how their their explanation for it is they torture Cyclops and Storm and that feeds into Xavier's own doubts about them and his own fears and guilt. So do you like it more or less now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I like it about the same the imagery is really what it, it is really what's amazing, I think. The um uh for example, Kitty Pride pulling out his heart. Yeah. 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 Um and the first time I saw it, I thought Wolverine like cut him in half, and we were looking at, like, if you look at, I think it's page uh, uh, thirty-five. If you look at it, it looks like it looks like Wolverine. I thought he had like cut him in half, and we were looking at his torso. Okay. With the legs gone, and I I saw that wrong, so I thought that was super brutal at first. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, can't show much blood. So. <laughs> can't show blood. You can show anything. That's well, I think that's why this whole couple pages is red. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't need to show the blood if everything's red. Yeah, uh. but I, I like I I like that they they show this whole thing because relating it to X two, which again X Men two takes a lot of inspiration from this. Um, the explanation in that is that the other um, Striker's son's mutant ability is to like control other mutants or whatever, or just other people in general if he's looking at them. Um, whereas this, I feel, kind of gets into the character of Xavier, and uh, yep. I mean, you know, again, showing his his guilts and fears and what he's afraid of, and just really like. Almost like kind of abusing him until he is unsure of everything, and then kind of goes along with with um, Striker's plan. I feel like that's a way better explanation and execution of that in general. Because I mean, later in the comic, it shows um, Xavier's as uh, essentially the imagery is Striker is kind of like. Uh, Xavier's savior from all this pain and everything um, and convinces him to attack mutants as again you know the spawn of Satan or whatever I don't know I just I like that a lot that explanation and that way of doing it a lot better than um, the, the a lot better than the way they do it in the movie and then there's like there's this awesome there's a series of panels where um what what's the line? It's it's like uh Stryker's quoting various things from the Bible and he's like Think not I am come to send peace on earth. Um I came not to send peace but a sword. Uh and then later, he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he just asks Charles, Are you worthy, Charles? And Charles is like, Yes, and he fires uh like a mind blast on, on um Cyclops and Storm. And it looks yeah. like he's killed them, like they're bleeding from the nose and everything. And then there's just this one panel of Xavier's face smiling. And it's just, like, showing he's totally convinced. Like, he's been mind-wiped, essentially. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Like, again, just the panel work and the beauty of comic books, really. But, you know. Yeah, that's that was a kind of a dark 
Um, that kind of stuff I thought I thought was the it, more so than um, this right here, like more so than the uh, than the the crucifixion scene or anything, or even the child hangings. This is one of the darkest scenes in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that one's scarier for me. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also like mind wiping is terrifying. Like mind wiping to the point that you're willing to kill someone you love is crazy. Like, yeah, that's terrifying all yeah. the time. It's kind of reminds me a lot of. I don't know if you guys have ever read 1984, George Orwell. I uh, know. Uh, I read most of it, or no, I did read it. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible, and it sort of deals with that, obviously. A lot. And uh, yeah, the end of that book is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever read in my life. And this is a lot like that. This this scene. Yeah, that. Oh, you're you're bringing back the feelings that I had when I read that ending. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. Like, just I don't. Also, it, is, it, is is Magneto just like magic in this one? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, because, like, he can fly. It doesn't look like there's any metal on him, and he can just use electricity, and there's, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. It always kind of flies. It's implied that his suit has a lot of metal on it. Oh, okay. Uh, Um, Usually. But he does use electricity. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oddly enough, the one power that isn't explained. (laughs) Like, it's... (laughs) It's almost like they're, like... Magnetism is related to electricity, so he can fire electricity. It's fine. <laughs> He's firing magnet electricity. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one interesting, real quick, one interesting use of power that I thought was was pretty cool was uh, Kitty Pride goes through the ground. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Like I never really thought about that before. Kitty Pride always has got some really interesting stuff she can do. Like this. People get really creative with Kitty Pride. She's one of my favorite characters, possibly my favorite character uh, from Marvel. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's, I mean, she explains it, but it's like she explains as like she has to hold her breath and it's almost like swimming, but like through like a, a thicker medium or something like that. Yeah, where she can't. That's see. interesting as well because I don't. I think later she doesn't have to hold her breath when she's facing. Like, oh, okay. Not in, in this book, book or just later in the no, comics? Just, uh, I think they adapted her power. Because at one point she got trapped in a giant bullet flying through space. That's, uh, <laughs> like, for years. Uh, because she had to, like, phase it through everything so it didn't hit anything. Oh, okay. Uh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a giant that, bullet through space. <laughs> that's that's yeah, an amazing so, image. I know, and it sounds really silly. I know that, but I can't remember how she got back. But eventually, she got back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, um, I'm looking at a panel right now from uh, 58, and it's with Magneto just crashing through the the ceiling, shouting "Striker!" Yeah. Um, the the two things that stick out to me is a this is um. This is kind of super powerful because a I'm 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 on Magneto's side in this moment, uh, but the other thing is that all, every time I read Striker like that, all I can hear is Hugh Jackman's Wolverine shouting Striker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's stuck in my head and I can't hear it any other way. So, one really cool thing about that panel too that I really like is um, uh, right after that there's a panel uh, with the senator that keep they keep coming back to and it turns out that he ends up being a mutant. Yeah. Um but uh. His assistant's like, Senator, we gotta get out of here. And uh, he's like, no, 
damn it, see, uh, Magneto's replaced the roof, good as new. He's made an entrance, not an attack. I really like that they put that in there as well, like showing that even though uh, a lot of times in the movies, Magneto's just kind of destroying everything and doesn't really care. But in this, he is thinking a little bit about his appearance as well, like yeah. the way he's being perceived. And so he repairs the roof as he's coming through. And so like Stryker, who's kind of blinded by this hatred, doesn't see that at all. But somebody on the outside is like, well, he he just repaired the roof. He didn't let it crash down on everyone. You know, it's like little things yeah. like that I really appreciate. Just showing, like subtly showing the kind of care, kind of person that Magneto is, adding to his character. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you guys wanted to... Any other panels or points really strike you? Um, I want to get back to the end, but um, in the middle of the beginning? Uh, no, nothing, nothing I can think of. Oh, yeah. um, a little bit, I want to talk about the, the danger room scene when they're training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. This, it feels a little bit out of place, I think, in this book. But <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. It feels more like it doesn't, like, it's not out of place in X-Men. It feels like this could be in a comic, but not in this graphic novel. Yeah, and also, it's a really weird rig, and, like, I I don't know. I don't like the explanation, because the whole thing is, like, you've all got to figure out solutions to something that you're not super good at. Yeah. Um, except Colossus, because his whole thing is just to destroy a robot. That's what he's real good at. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, like Wolverine, for everyone else, you can't. You have to. You have to use subtlety and subterfuge in order to get out of here. Uh, you need to use your abilities in a weird way. Colossus punch a thing real hard. Oh, yeah, goodness like, gracious! <laughs> like for everyone else, it's like you got to kind of use your abilities creatively, which I think is interesting. But also, like, I mean, they give Nightcrawler like this massive box that he's gonna move across the floor. Like, first of all, what what purpose is that fulfilling? Like, you know what I mean? Like, at yeah. least. At least with Wolverine, it's like, okay, what if you get in a situation where you can't cut the bars? How are you going to get out? That makes sense. But, like, I don't know. Like, why are you making Nightcrawler try to teleport a box across the room? Like, he's, it's, it's just, it's playing so against his strengths that it's not beneficial at all. Effort. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something he just can't do. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, like, there's, <laughs> there's no way to think your way around that. But I suppose, I think what it is, is the idea is that it's meant to encourage them to work together rather than think of a way to solve it. Yeah, but see, that's... I don't know. I mean, just, like... It's almost like you need to do the test this way and then, like, the real way that they're actually going to be able to do the test is to, like, just do it the opposite. Like, do exactly what they told you not to do. I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of dumb. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. as a little bit. But also, like, Kitty Pride in this scene sort of really starts to shine and it's interesting because she much later became little leader of the X-Men and you sort of start to see the beginnings of this when there was clearly no plan for that I assume but yeah, her yeah. here as a teenager is starting to show leadership which is really interesting yeah they also kind of tease her relationship with uh, Colossus as well which I liked oh they did that in her first appearance okay so okay <laughs> she like was clearly attracted to them when she was like 13 but <laughs> um what's your guys's opinion on the kitty pride 
running away from the the uh, what are they called the purifiers stuff. Uh, filler. Yeah, because I thought that was really boring. I like that. Like, I love Kate Price. And um, like when she's the the main focus of it, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I like the first little bit of it, but once she's in the city, kind of running around, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, just because yeah, there's no, there's not a great reason for it to happen. It's just so that they have her doing something until she meets up with the rest of the X Men. I don't know. It just kind of felt like that to me. Yeah, I suppose, but it gets up to the train, which is kind of where you need. That's true. That's true. Because he shows up on the train. Yeah, and they all need to come together to find her to get into the action. That's kind of where, and she knows where magic is at this point. And sorry, Eliana, I don't think she's called magic yet. Uh, sorry. Um, More confusing. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's no, her. Here. That's her X Men name later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of like she's got the information they need. They also need to find her, so it's kind of yeah, all yeah. comes together through her. Yeah, I think I think part of it is just that's like the least interesting part of this book. There's also another good cop on the train. Uh, oh yeah, on the train. Yeah, yeah. Just like New York's New York's finest are really New York's finest in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, do you guys have anything else to say before we talk about the ending? Nope. Uh, no, let's talk about the ending. Okay. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, specifically uh, on, on like, kind of just Xavier kind of being broken almost, and and Cyclops kind of restores his faith in their cause. As Cyclops doesn't have a lot to do in this until... Towards the end, like he, when he's talking to Stryker, and then when he, yeah, pretty much says what uh, Xavier's been teaching him, and went back to him essentially. Um, but that is what Cyclops is is good for. He's like always, <laughs> well, not in recent years, but in these days, he was always like towing the party line and good at that and being a good leader. And that's kind of what you see here. I and mean, he's. Yeah, it's not been in the book at all, but then he just turns up and just says, like, it would be more interesting maybe to have Kitty say this at this point, I think, maybe. But Yeah, it kind of feels like she's had the character growth to do this. Kitty um, or, or Nightcrawler, even. Yeah. Yeah, and also, like... Yeah, um... I think his his speech at the Gardens is is is... A little more fitting because then you know Kitty finishes it off, and it's just kind of more showing yep. all. This is what all of them think. Um, I don't know. I kind of like his little speech and just that it's showing that. Great. Yeah, like like that Xavier has lost faith, and it's his students that have to bring him back. Like he's yeah. again this close to joining Magneto and the Brotherhood. Yeah, I suppose it is fitting that is Cyclops is his first student. And it's fitting that it's him that has to remind them. That's true. That's probably fair, yeah. I mean, it would have been weird if it was, like, Wolverine. Yeah. You know? The Colossus, who I kind of <laughs> just turned up at this point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was. it managed to be both a 
a good X-Men comic as well as a good kind of um, conversation piece. You know? Yeah. It, it didn't go so far one way or the other that it, it managed to do both. It, it was a very, very good uh, X-Men comic. You just want to take it as that. That's great. And it also had a very good um, message to get yeah. across. Yeah. But it, neither compromised for the sake of the other, which I thought was really interesting. Just on the last few panels, there's something like another powerful image that's a bit more subtle this time is a black man, a black woman, and a white man holding hands yeah. or, with their arms around each other. That's how the book ends. Yeah. I didn't even notice that, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. That, that is really powerful. Yeah. Is that, that is Storm, right? Yep. yep. Okay. And the line is, for, and from that caring comes love, which makes the world go round. And if, if only that were, if only that were so. Yeah, oh, yeah. I read that wrong the first time. Oh, that's kind of I, depressing, actually. Yeah, I kind of, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that to be honest, because otherwise, like, make the world go round like that. I don't know. It, it feels almost kind of like campy, almost a little bit. So I kind of like that it's. It, the 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 final line of if only that were so is is almost like wishful that it was but r- yeah. realizing the truth that it that it isn't but we still you know push forward anyway yep yeah it's um bittersweet which it's kind of you know what i just um i just saw the black clansman have you seen that uh, i haven't but i've been hearing really good things yeah we should actually watch that review it yeah, yeah we should uh, Definitely recommend it, and it has a sort of similar, bittersweet tone throughout. Is this this kind of we're making a difference, but <laughs> is that enough? You know, it's just like yeah. yeah. Will it ever? Will it ever really change? This kind that's of kind it. of a that's, that's the kind sad of a... thing too. Is that you, yeah, you do you see these things, and it's like oh well, we go through some some really bad points, and then we go through some better points, and then we're back at the really bad points again, and, it, and it's kind of upsetting that there is no. Um, there's is there's no uptick. We we're not getting better. We're kind of going in a loop. You know the the line yep. about those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Well, no one's studying history anymore. And and it, and if you actually do study history, you notice that this isn't abnormal either. Yeah. Um, mankind just does the same stuff over and over and over again. They think, oh, this time will be different, and then they learn why didn't why didn't we why did we do that? That was dumb. Let's try something else. Yeah, but no, this time it'll be different. We'll we'll show you. It's like, so yeah, like we were saying towards the beginning, like this book is as relevant today as it has always been, and that's not a good thing. No, no, no. it's not. And even yeah. Claremont in the interview, he was or in the prologue, one of those two. He's even like, I wish it wasn't. Like he he was hoping, like everyone really, that this you know this message would get across and people would change. Yeah. Um, but it's really sad that it hasn't. And it's sad that it is just as relevant today. And yeah, it's kind of depressing, really. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And also, like, yeah. Right. The The book would be better. It, not not better, but I think the author of the book would be happier if that if this didn't matter today. If this was yeah. a quaint um, piece that mattered during its time, you know? Yeah, it was more like just, you know, some of I'll, the old Superman it, comics, like it, just or, the history of the characters. If it was, it, it, it would be, this comic book would be, he'd be happy with the comic book if it were like Common Sense um, from Thomas Paine back from the 1700s. It's like, yeah. we need to rise up against England. It's like, I'm, I'm sure Thomas Paine would be happy to know that we don't, we don't need that. 
Uh, <laughs> you don't need that anymore. Um, you know, it's it's really sad that this book is still um, as relevant. You know, you, you kind of wish it wasn't. You know, it's an interesting parallel to the X Men themselves because the X Men's goal is to not have to exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they could just be people, you know, yeah. and they are people, but they 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 have to be able to. Yeah. I mean, their their main goal is to defend mutants and to sort of better the name of mutants. And the ideal would be there to be no need for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the ideal would just be accepting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing too. It, it, it transcends um, race. It goes to any any people group, minority, or what, what have you that um, has kind of been um, <clears throat> oppressed over the last forty years. And there's a lot of them. Um, and it is this kind of idea that's like, oh, anyone who's not us. There's even a line somewhere in the book uh, where Striker, or it's someone's calling a Striker and saying. Are you so determined to kill anyone who doesn't agree with you? Oh, where is it? Yeah, there it is. Oh, is this then the holy word, Reverend, that any who oppose you must die? And and that's the kind of thing where, for whatever reason, everyone seems to have this mentality that if you don't agree with me, then you're the worst type of person, and it's not possible for us to find any common ground, and, and you must be destroyed. It's like, I don't know why we have this enemy mentality for people who think differently from us, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um... And uh, I guess this would be a good segue into. Can we talk about libertarianism? Yeah. Can, can I can I can I pitch libertarianism? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I was I was gonna take it to the middle the, ground. Was... Everyone go for the middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna take it to the because we wanted to met, talk about the religion aspect of it a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, if you go ahead, if you want, <laughs> is that what we're gonna say? Oh uh, no, no, that, that was about it. Just just okay. like, if we're gonna just like chill out and realize that. You know, there's there's never going to be a perfect right answer, and your side is probably wrong as the other side. If we just like, if we could all just chill, that'd be nice, you know. Yeah, it's all <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's fine. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, Zach, you even mentioned that you wanted to talk about kind of the the way oh, the, the religion on, is. Yeah, yeah, the perspective. Okay, so it's it's it, it is interesting. Um, it's it's interesting being a Christian reading this. Um, because, yeah, I'm real interested to hear about this. Yeah, because the thing is, none of us can sit here and I don't I don't, I don't know Dante's opinion, but I can't sit here and say, well, this is wrong, because it's it's so accurate, and that's the thing that I hate not yeah. not, not about the book, but about um, Christianity and organized religion in general is the fact that yeah, here's what we were told to be. And it's like, and it's very clear that we're, and we're, and we're not being that thing. We're being something terrible instead, you know? And, um, you know, I think, you know, I, 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 you know, um, the author of the book talks about reading his Bible and everything like that. And then like, if you, if you actually read your Bible and everything like that, you see that there's this, there's this precedent to be, um, you know, (laughs) caring, loving, wonderful people that, our life by the community that you're supposed to you're supposed to help people and instead we're just attacking everyone that we don't agree with and i'm like i don't how did we get here i don't get it yeah. and it's really it's really sad and it really pushes me to be like okay we need to fix something we need to change something because this is true you know so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i i 100 agree that it's it's hard being a, a christian 
just in this this world today because this is so true in that a lot of the perception of Christians and a lot of the Christians just in general are you know are this kind of attacking you know mentality and that's just it's well, for one it's not what we're supposed to be like it's that's not that's not truly what the what the bible the bible you know uh tells us to be but also it's i, I don't know it's just it's yeah i mean <laughs> it's 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 hard to it's 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 interesting to to watch striker and his point of view and everything and just see how that's so relatable to how christians act and are today and it's really sad like yeah it's i don't know and and the interesting thing is i don't know it's 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 a difficult thing but uh, i mean on um this is really like it's difficult to get into but i mean on on some level the I, i'm scared i'm really scared we're about to <laughs> <laughs> on, on some level i i don't know don't i'm, I'm real scared dude really <laughs> i'm like well, I'm just, get I'm it out be you like... can always you can always add that later man just... that's true but no, I'm, I'm waiting for you dante i'm waiting for you to be like you know on some level i kind of agree with the reverend no dante. <laughs> no, no, no 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 not at all not at all but on on some level christianity is exclusive like yeah, and I get that. and his the line that you just referenced about i mean i mean obviously not killing people that's that's ridiculous but on some level it, it is you know you believe this or you don't and and that's you know and there are consequences to both and that's i don't know that's this is, is that's, that's also a, that's kind of an innate facet of any christianity like, of any religion there's that's kind of the innate facet of it is that uh there is a level of it's uh yeah i don't, I don't well on some on some level religion requires that this this to be truth and that requires there to be falsehood you know like on some level every religion has to believe that what they right. believe is true and right. then by everyone... by by that logic, everything else is false, and so right, but the, the like on some is, level, every religion is exclusive in that way. The problem is that no religion gives you all the answers. Uh, we 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 act like they do, but they don't. There's very there's very specific things that we're told that's like oh the, this is the truth, and then everything else is kind of left up in the air. And on top of that, even if you think someone's wrong, I I always try to go into any situation understanding the fact that. I am just as wrong in everything that I believe as they are in what they believe. It's like, if, if they're right about something, that means that I'm right about something. And if I'm wrong about something, that means they're wrong about something. There's always... They, everyone, I, I think in general, people are kind of equally right and wrong about things. So Yeah, nobody nobody's right about everything. Right. We're all so fallible. A, so I, the problem, it comes in when you start doing this thing where it's... Um, where you start saying... I am right about everything. My opinion will not change. Anyone who disagrees with me must is going to be crushed underneath the the boot of truth or something like that, you know. And and you see it everywhere. You see it in politics. You see it in religion. You see it in schools. You see it everywhere. And it's just and people have lost the ability to talk with each other, to mm -hmm. compromise, to learn from one another, and to be wrong. 
It's like and it's have, possible for people to yeah. be wrong. We can be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> and, and we can learn and grow and become better people for it. So that's my yeah, spiel it's, for today. <laughs> it, yeah, it's 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 the mentality that everyone has nowadays that is you're absolutely right about everything you believe and you cannot have a wrong opinion. Yeah. Briefly, Rory, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else to say, but like, did we scare uh, him off? That's the thing. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, that was that was all fascinating. I'm I consider myself atheistic, agnostic is how yeah. I would usually put it. Um, I don't don't believe in uh, any religion really, but I'd like to keep an open mind about it. I don't like to call myself an atheist because there's people like like that who are as preachy about atheism and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Richard, yeah richard dawkins springs to mind that i absolutely hate him with a passion <laughs> uh so i would not call myself an atheist i like to like everybody whatever makes you happy is my main opinion in life sure. um so yeah it's it's really interesting to hear your thoughts on this book coming from a christian perspective it, like as an agnostic uh, perspective I didn't necessarily take the sort of religious aspect into it, just the sort of the prejudice, and it sort of stemmed from his religion, but not, you know, like people, like those bigots from every walk of life, not just, the, yeah. you know, from religion right, exactly. for religious reasons. That's just kind of how I took it. It's just a sort of reason for his bigotry, not necessarily, or not a reason for it, like a, an excuse for it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to think about it in that light. And also, that's kind of where the author was coming from, too. Because, again, the, um, Chris says that he read his, his Bible cover to cover, like, three times while writing this. Right. Um, so it's interesting to think about. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I'm good if you guys are good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rory, for coming on. Especially, and uh, I, I believe you're the one who recommended the comic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Rory, that, for this he was recommended a it to me. And comic. Yeah. 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 He. Um. I asked Rory for some X for good X Men stories. He recommended this, and I read it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this. So thank you very much for exposing me to this. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, it's a great book. So yeah, I'm happy to. And yeah, thanks for asking me to come on, so to give me a, a reason to reread it because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, uh, why don't you do your uh, do your plugs? Tell us, uh, tell our listeners where where they can find you. Yeah, sure. Uh, mostly these days, uh, uh, Dog Care Presents is a podcast I do. Uh, try and teach you about things that are usually nerdy, but not necessarily. Coming off of this, maybe you want to go listen to our episode on Wolverine. That was a pretty interesting one. I went in depth about the, the history of the character. Uh, Dante will also be on it coming up. They won't be out, I don't think, by the time this comes out, but will be soon. So keep an eye out for those. Yeah, it, it, that was a lot of fun. So, And it's a, a lot of fun to listen. I really... Um, not even just like normally I go to those podcasts for the nerdy, um, you know, topics, but I really enjoyed some of the more historically based ones too, like the pirates episodes and, um, oh, yeah. the, you know, mermaids and stuff like that. Robin hood, like there's some interesting stuff on there. So yeah, definitely check that one out. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, you have a YouTube channel too, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, hangover reviews. It's easier to explain this one. I, what, 
uh, review things to watch and do with a hangover. That's a, that's, that's a great concept. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a fairly original concept from what I've been able to tell. I've been doing that a few years now at this point, which is weird to say. But yeah, every <laughs> Sunday I put out a video uh, reviewing usually a movie or a TV show. Sometimes just a weird thing that I've thought of would be interesting to talk about doing with a hangover. I recently watched your Disenchantment episode. That was a lot of fun. So, Oh, yeah, yeah that's probably that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then... Um, yeah, and so we, you can find us, um, on Twitter and Instagram at let's get context. And then, uh, the other show that I run, uh, is play D and D, which, uh, Rory is on and, and Zach, uh, both as members of the guardians of the galaxy. Um, and you can find that, uh, wherever you find your podcasts, uh, and then on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at play D and D pod. So, um, yeah. I think that's all. Um, anything else you guys want to say? Sign off? Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, did we decide that you're going to do your la la, this is the end, like, live? Uh, or are you no, doing it as a day? No, no, no. I, think, I don't think anything could ever recapture the magic that is my la 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 la. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> okay. All right, cool. So, uh, see you guys next time. Yeah. See you. La 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 la, this is the end. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>